Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So um, I'm going to ask you to go on a journey with me this morning. Uh, I want to deal with, I want to talk to you this morning about his church. Uh, but we're going to have to take a path to get there. Uh, and deal with some other things and, and work our way into that place. I, uh, uh, it's been a couple months back, I guess, now that I did a, we did some Saturday night services. And, and in each one of those services, we went through and I taught on the different, the seven churches that letters were written to in Revelation. Uh, and I never finished it. I never got through all the churches. Uh, and I had left off actually on this church, the church in Sardis. And uh, so this morning, that's where we're going to start. I know it seems like a crazy place to start in Revelation chapter 3, talking to the dead church. But uh, that's where we're going to begin this journey this morning. And I'm excited about where it's going. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go to Revelation chapter 3 or she will have it on the screen. Wow, I hear a lot of pages turning. Is that normal? All right, we're just going to read through this whole letter. Uh, I'm going to actually read off the screen. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not, I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. For I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. Help me this morning to deliver Your Word and only Your Word. Thank You, Jesus. He makes a statement here in this letter to the church in Sardis and says, I know Your works. Another translation says, I've seen your busyness. I've seen your going and your doing and, and everything that you're involved in. I've seen all the things you've started, all the things you've done, all the works, all the moving, all the going. I've seen all that. He said, I've seen what you've been doing. I've seen the performances. I've seen everything that has happened up to this point. But he goes on and says, your works are not found perfect before God. Your works are not found perfect before God. And we must be very careful that we do not equate busyness with success. All right. The church has decided that if we stay busy enough, we must be successful. If we have a lot of things happening, if we have lots of things going on, if we have tons of meetings and, and tons of opportunities, and all, we must be a successful church because we're really busy. And this has become the mindset that has been adopted, especially in the American church. 
But we must be very careful that, that our busyness does not determine our success. Because who was Jesus more impacted by? Mary, who appeared lazy for sitting at His feet? Or Martha, the super servant? We know the story of Mary sitting there listening to every word that Jesus is saying. And Martha says, Jesus, I'm working hard. I'm doing everything. I'm cleaning. I'm serving. I'm doing all of it. And Martha's just sitting there doing nothing. But the crazy thing about this story is, is Jesus was impacted by Mary who was doing nothing more than Martha who was doing everything. And the church has decided to adopt Martha's mentality because I can do what Martha did in my sleep. I've been trained to work. I've been trained to serve. I've been trained to do events. I can do all that without even the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't need to hear what Jesus is saying to have church. Come on, man. Wow. Wow. It's a journey y'all are just going to have to go with me. What's crazy is we've even made it sound super spiritual and we've given it the title of Servant's Heart. And I, I don't want you to think I'm bashing on serving at all. But we've made this super spiritual and said, well, they just got a servant's heart. Well, if I'm being honest with you, I don't want a servant's heart. I want Jesus' heart. Amen. And I only get His heart sitting at His feet. Right. I can have His heart. Let me get this right. I can't have His heart and not serve. But I can serve and not have His heart. Oh, that's good. That's the church has come to do a lot of serving, but I think we've missed the sitting. We're busy. We have a lot going on. Lots of outreaches, lots of things, lots of, lots of, uh, of programs and systems. But no program and no system does anything if we haven't been sitting. Mary said, I just want to sit at His feet and I want to pour over every word that He's saying. Everything that... I believe she could feel the emotion coming off of Him. When's the last time we went to our Father and felt the emotions of what He was saying? That's good. That there was tons of stuff that needed to be done, but I didn't care about what needed to be done because in the moment, I was in front of Him. How much of our prayer time is distracted with everything we need to do? How much of your prayer time is spent praying about what you need to do? How much of our prayer time is spent saying, I just want to pour over every word, every note, every, every syllable. I want to feel the emotions. I want to feel the passion. I don't know if you realize it or not, but Jesus spoke with passion. He spoke with emotion. He was cloaked with zeal. He was passionate with His message. And I believe when He was speaking to, to Mary in the moment, she could feel what He was saying. I want to read you a passage out of Amos chapter 5. And I didn't give this to, to uh, Cassidy. I'm going to read it out of the message translation. Don't stone me. It's okay. It's still the Bible. <laughs> Amos chapter 5 says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects. Your pretentious slogans and goals... I'm sick of your fundraising schemes and your public relations and your image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you not know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. We've gotten good 
at all the stuff He just named. We can put a conference together like you have never seen. We can line up the best speakers and the best worship bands and we can do everything we're supposed to do. But He's saying, you know what I want? I want to marry I want to marry who's willing to sit here at my feet and not be distracted with what has to be done. He said, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over all that. I remember Jesus told him in the New Testament, you, you, you confess me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Have we become so disconnected because we've become so committed to what we're supposed to do and not committed to where we're supposed to be? Oh, come on now. That's good. We're good at doing. We're just not good at sitting. Being. Remaining. That's good. He said, I've seen it all. I've seen your busyness. I've seen your work. I've seen your programs. It's not what I meant. Jesus was impacted by Mary. When was the last time we had an impact on Jesus and not the other way around? We come every Sunday and beg Him to impact us. But when's the last time we impacted Him? One of my favorite stories in the Bible right now, and I'm just consumed with it, is the story of the centurion soldier who comes to Jesus and says, I have a servant that's sick and I need you to go. And, she, and he, Jesus says, okay, I'll come. He says, no, you just say the word and I understand the power of authority. And when you speak it, it has to be done. And Jesus says, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. And if you begin to break down the Greek and Hebrew, there's a word used there. And I think it's something like thamadzo or, or something like that. Uh, and it literally means a heart strike. Wow. The, the man struck Jesus' heart. Wow. When is the last time my life gave Jesus a heart strike? Oh my when, it actually means to be in awe of. Wow. Like, oh my. Jesus. 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 Get this. Stood in awe of this soldier. And I'm not even going to go in and describe the soldier and what he represents and all that. But when was the last time we impacted him? Because according to these scriptures, all of our busyness is not impacting him at all. He's not impressed. I want to look at another passage of scriptures in Isaiah 40. Starting in verse 1. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare has ended. Another translation, I think it's the Amplified, says, Your compulsory service has ended. And that's just so good. That her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the deserts a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places made smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So what are we supposed to say based on this? The voice said, cry out. And I said, what? What am I supposed to say? What should I tell him? He said, tell him all flesh is grass and all loveliness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. He won the war, he dealt with sin. Did you catch that? He dealt with sin. 
man, I want to just stay right there and wonder why we're all still dealing with so much sin. So what are we to do? If He's won the war, He's dealt with the sin, what are we to do? Verses 3-5 through five tell us, begin to prepare a way for Him. Begin to make a way for Him to show up in your place. And what are we to say in this moment of preparing for Him? You tell Him that flesh, anything and everything done in your flesh, in your ability is like grass. And it will fade. It will wither. It will be gone. There is nothing I can do in my busyness of my ability that will last into eternity. There's nothing that will impact His heart that will create a heart strike in the heart of God. He said, it's, it's grass. It's fading away. Our works, our abilities that can be done in the flesh, they fade. They wither. They may, seem, they may seem as pretty as a flower in the moment, but flowers cannot sustain you. Flowers do not become sustenance for this coming generation. There's a sustenance that serving God can't give you. Martha washing the dishes for Jesus would not sustain her like Mary sitting at His feet. I know, it's, we don't even understand this. It's foreign to us. We have to start serving from the sitting and not just sitting when we know we're about to serve. I'll let that sink in for a minute. When we're given the opportunity to do something, pray somewhere, share somewhere, speak somewhere, it completely changes our entire schedule because up until that point, we know we weren't sitting enough to speak. So when we learn we have the opportunity to minister, then we think, well, we better sit a lot. Well, come on now. Oh, no. Come on now. I just know this because I'm just telling you what my life used to look like. When I knew I had to preach on Sunday mornings, I told Courtney, shut everything down this week. I can't talk to nobody. I can't go to town. I can't watch a movie. I can't do nothing this week because i got to preach on Sunday. And that became the mindset. And my sitting was only there because I was getting to serve. That's just that's leadership, so I don't know why I'm preaching this here. But too often our serving, and I'm not talking about just ministry, I'm just talking about our serving. Your life for Christ. Too often the serving outweighs the sitting. I would be willing to bet that our serving is multiple times more than our sitting. Multiple times. It's the way we've been trained. Soon as you get in the church, what do you do? What's your talent? What's your gift? What's your ability? We need to put you to work. We need to put you here. You need to do this. Why? Why? When Peter preached the message and 3,000 got saved, I don't remember him going to the crowd saying, what's your ability? What's your gift? We need to put you to work. We need you to do this. You've got to serve. You've got to be working. You've got to be moving. I know this isn't popular. Serving without being seated is just busyness. It's just works that make us feel better for our lack of sitting. According to Isaiah, it's just grass and flowers. And although flowers and grass are pretty, they do nothing for the next generation. The church is lacking in legacy because we don't think generationally. We are in essence choosing flowers over fruit. You know why? Because flowers look good on my spiritual resume. Right. Right. But guess what? You can't eat flowers and live. You can't eat that performance and be sustained. Trust me. I've tried living off performance. Good work. 
Flowers are not sustenance. The grass, which we know now is the busyness of the flesh, is a false indicator of life. He told the church in Sardis, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. It looks pretty and you got the grass growing, the flowers look great, and people talk highly of you, but you're dead. He said, I searched the heart of a man. I'm not looking at the outside. I'm not looking at that. Your busyness does not impress me. I've only looked at your heart. This is what I've learned about flower-driven people. And I only say this because I was one of those. Flowers only pollinate flowers. So we have to be around other flower people. Because the uniformity of instability makes me feel better. Wow. That's right. good. I'm okay with being unstable because I know you're unstable too. And I don't hang around with stable people because then that convicts me and they make me want to be more stable. Yeah, preach. If you're the most stable person in the group of people you hang out with, you need a new group of people. All right. That's good. You need to be challenged to produce some fruit. That's right. Because see, the fact, that, the fact that you're also just as addicted to busyness helps numb the conviction that I'm not bearing fruit. But flower people won't challenge me to bear fruit that could keep someone alive. Oh my. They'll just applaud me for my busyness and talk about how great of a servant I am. Man. That's so good. Come on. Can I tell you that Abba is not impressed with our bouquet of performance? Right. Why? Because that bouquet only appeals to the eyes and it does nothing internally for anyone. Our works have created pretty little bouquets on every corner of every little town, but no trees bearing fruit that dying people could eat it and live. Lord, help us the dying world around us is becoming less and less impressed with our flowers and our grass, and they need some sustenance. They yeah. need a life yeah. that only comes from bearing fruit. That's so good. Come on, man. I don't believe that verse 3, where he said, Your works are not found perfect, I don't believe that that was a challenge by God. That you better work really hard so that they'll be found perfect. No, I believe it was a definitive statement that your works, your abilities, cannot be perfect before him. It was not a challenge, it was not try to work harder. Try to work this thing up. You need to do a little more. Start another ministry. Come up with something else. Come up. No, that wasn't the point. He was saying, in your ability, when it, become, when it comes before me, it'll be imperfect. Or as Isaiah put it, under the breath of Yahweh, it'll wither. It'll fade and it'll be gone. Our need to establish a system and to fill our programs with so much busyness that we can... is. Try that again. Our need to establish systems and fill our programs with as much busyness that we can is the proof that we have adopted a Babylonian mindset. In fact, if we need a system, it's the proof that we haven't encountered a Savior. You know, because I don't remember the demoniac asking for a system when Jesus set him free. He didn't say, what's your program? What's your plan? I need this. I need this many steps. I need this. I, he, he didn't have any of that. As a matter of fact, his only response was, I just want to go. I want to be with you. I want to remain with you wherever you go. Jesus sets him free. 
And he didn't start planning a tour and trying to fill his itinerary. He didn't get on Facebook and try to come up with followers and more on Instagram. He just wanted to remain with the man that set him free. Wow. And I believe his desire to just remain with Jesus is the only thing that gave him permission to go be an evangelist for ten regions. Hey, that's all right. The only thing that gives us permission to go is our desire to stay. The only thing that makes you ready to be an evangelist in your community is when you don't want to be one. See, this, this sounds totally backwards than what we've always been taught. Our systematic works field plan to build the church is not His plan. And I feel like I can prove this using the conversation that Jesus had with His disciples. So I want to show you something out of Matthew chapter 16. And we dealt with the beginning first. We deal with the works. We deal with all that so that we can go into understanding His church. His church is not built on our crazy, busy agendas. Matthew 16, starting verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. On what rock? The revelation of who Jesus is. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now I want you to notice something here. Something that's really contrary to what a lot of us have thought. He said, on this rock I will build... My church. Who's building the church? Christ. Wait, I thought that was our job. I thought we were supposed to have a five-year plan and a really popular discipleship program that was relevant to the geographical location that we're in, mixed with just the right amount of community outreach, also geared toward the popular opinion of my geographical location, and that built the church. Well, how's that working for us? Chances are, if we are working really hard to build a church, it's probably not His church. Why? Because He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that if I just put all my focus and attention on Him, if I just fell so crazy in love with Him, that I, like Mary, wanted to sit at His feet and make everything about Him and just hear His words and just pursue His heart, do I really believe that He would bring them in? Do I really believe that if I put the focus on Him, that He would put His focus on them? He said, if, if I be lifted up. I feel like if we put as much effort into lifting Him up as we did into our busyness, then He would be so exalted that they would come looking for Him. Oh, wow. That's they right. would be just drawn into Him. That's good. Uh, come on. But we've robbed Him of that ability because we've tried to do it ourselves. We've tried to create the perfect system and the perfect program and everything has to be just right and you have to have the best nursery and you have to have the best lighting and you have to have the best sound and you've got to be the coolest church in town. You've got to be on the cutting edge. You've got to have all that. And then possibly we could attract a few to move from the church they're currently going to and join our church. He said, if you lift me up, 
Ten men from ten nations will jerk on your skirt tail and say, Who's this God that you serve? Who is this God that you're living for? Who is this Father that is so good to you, you're blessed when everyone else is not? Who is this God you're serving that has blessed you in a time when everybody else is in a wreck? How can you live in so much peace when the nation is in so much turmoil? How can you walk in such unity and, 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 and love for one another when the, when the country is currently in a place of divide and hatred? How can you be so loving? How can you be so committed? Yeah. Because I said... Right. And I listened. And I began to seek Him. And not my agendas. And not my plans. And not how many followers I could get. And not how popular I am on social media. And not all my self-promotion. And self-promoting uh, uh, through, through all the ranks. And all the things that we've said is so normal. We think, i got, I got to get the word out. I gotta get out there so they'll hear what I have to say, and then maybe I'll get a call and I can go somewhere and I can do something. I'll speak to somebody and, and all this kind of stuff. Instead of realizing, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw and your gift will make room for you. Yes. We've got it backwards. We do. We've got it backwards. Now don't get me wrong, we could build a church. People do it all the time. People are building churches all over this country that according to the American business standard are successful churches. That's because there's 17 current church growth models right now in America and not one of them are based on the book of Acts. But they're growing churches all over the place. But Jesus said, on this revelation, I'm going to build my church. He's interested in building his church. What does his church look like? Mm, come on, right there. Yes, sir. Mm. I'm trying not to throw rocks at anything or tear anything down. Right. Okay. But I have to believe that his church looks a lot different than the American Standard Church. Yes, As a matter of fact, the church is only what is from within him. You know, we talk about the church. What is the church? The church is the bride of Christ, right? You know that, right? Well, to figure out what is the bride of Christ, we have to go to the first bride. Eve. Eve was from within Adam. So anything that is not from within Christ is not the church. He said, this is bone of my bone. When God created Adam, He created them male and female. In other words, the church was already here when Jesus was here. But when Jesus died, just like Adam went to sleep, Jesus' side was cut open. Guess who else's side was cut open? Adam's. And he took something from within him and created something that was just like him. Just like him. That's his church. It's what's from within him. And anything that does not look like him is not his church. Come on. Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It looks like me. It operates like me. It talks like me. The crazy part is, he actually gave the church something that Jesus didn't have. A womb. The ability to reproduce. Jesus came and was... I don't know why I'm on this right now. Jesus came and was a seed planted in this earth. And we as the church are to be reproducing out of Him 
from, from within us, we are to be reproducing Man. something that looks Man. just like Him. Wow, come on. Just like Him. That's good. But the problem is, we say if you build a building and do, do four songs and a sermon in it, then we've started a church. I'm not even going over there. My church. This word church here comes from the word ecclesia. Or ecclesia. Or however you want to say it. Because nobody really knows how to say it. Ecclesia is actually not a religious term at all. It wasn't used in, in, in religious settings, and yet Jesus chose to use this word. Let me show you why. It means a legislative assembly or selected ones. It's a political and governmental term used for a group of people summoned and gathered. Gathered. <laughs> That summon and gather does one thing, see? To govern the affairs of their city. Wow. Wow, that's good. That's big. Isn't that rich? I love that. Come on. Jesus said, you see, what I'm doing is I'm building a group of people, an ecclesia, that's going to be summoned together yeah. to govern wow. their city. Wow. That's just, I love that. That's great. He said, I'm, I'm bringing a group together. Notice, it was a group that was gathered. He said, if I be lifted up, I will gather them. If you'll exalt me in your community, I'll pull people to it. He said, if you, the higher I'm lifted, the more they want it. And the more they will come. The kingdom of heaven suffers by and they, they press in. They press in. They violently press into this thing. He said, but I have to be lifted up. And when I am lifted up, I'll start gathering people. And the people that I gather, I will give them permission to govern their city. Wow. That's His church. Wow. Maybe we're not governing cities because we haven't allowed Him to do the gathering. What I love about this is that He says when He builds His church, hell can't do anything with it. Right. The gates, the government... The stronghold of hell has zero answers for the church that he builds. Come on. I want to be a part of that church. Yes, sir. Wow. That's good. You know why? Because the spirit of gossip can come in and ruin our church. Right. It can't ruin his church. Come on. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Disagreement and discord can come in and break up our church, but it has no room in his church. That's good stuff. The spirit of comparison yeah. can come in and rob a church, but it doesn't fit in his church. Wow. That's so good. It has no room. It has nothing to feed on. It has nothing to pull from in his church. He said, if it's not straight from God in my church, it can't survive. Wow. As soon as it pops its head up, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. The church that he builds doesn't go to church for the same reasons we do. They don't go for a feel-good moment or to be entertained once a week. They are drawn together by the Spirit that is within them. They couldn't wait. The church that he builds in Acts, they couldn't wait to get together and worship Jesus and encourage one another. They couldn't wait. Matter of fact, they so couldn't wait, they'd risk their lives to get there and do it. They didn't need a high to get them through the week. 
reminds me of a preacher I heard recently and said, we just quit being alcoholics and just became churchaholics. And you come to the church for the same reason you went to the bar. Just to numb yourself to get through the week. They didn't need a high to get them through the week. And because of this, leaders didn't have to beg them to go to church. They would risk their lives to be together. No matter if it was that they got lucky enough to actually build a church. Or if they had to establish it in a house. Or if they had to hide in a cave. Wow. But one thing is for sure. The church he built was going to gather together, celebrate Jesus, and edify one another. The church that he built. I really want to stay right here. I just can't find it. I've been doing so, me and Colby both have just been reading through Acts. Just so consumed with the book of Acts. It's, it's, our, it's, our, it's our, what's the word? It's where the church originated. It's where it was birthed. It's where it started. I'm just, I'm just reading through so much. And I just can't find where Paul was begging them to come. What I do find is where the churches were growing so much, they had to break off and say, alright, we're going to have to meet in this house because we're so full. As a matter of fact, it would get so full, they would be worried about someone noticing and killing them. So they say, we better split this up and keep it small. You want to know where small groups came from? Because small groups are hard to find. Uh, Not because it was cool and it was the fad. No, it was we better keep this small or they're going to know we're here and we can lose our lives. But nothing separated them from one another. Nothing. Nothing could keep them from going. The, the politics at that time would make it worse and worse and they would catch one of them and behead them in front of everybody. They would crucify them upside down. And you know what the church would do? It would grow. They would not allow themselves to be separated. They would not. You know why they started so many different churches? Because danger got so bad in one place, they moved to another place and start the same thing. Wow. I want His church. I want to be a part of that church that is so consumed with Him that we're laying aside our preferences. We're laying aside our opinions. We're laying aside what I think. It's not about what I think. It's about what He thinks. And I want to be with people who care about what He thinks. I want to gather with people who are consumed with what He says. Who are willing to lay aside our fleshly desires and our own opinions and our own preferences. All that died on the cross. Let it go. I don't care if you're Republican. Let it go. Come on. Easy. That's good preaching. Because mm. I, I just, I got to ask the question. Are we Republican or are we the church? Which one's more important? We want to be the church. Which one's more important? Your preference of what box you get to check. Or your preference of what does His Word say? Wow. What does His people need? Yeah. They didn't just get together to celebrate Jesus. They got together to build one another up. Yeah. When's the last time you came to church and quit saying, Give me, give me, give me. And you showed up and said, I just want to invest in you. I just want to give to you. I feel like you need it this week. His church... It's powerful, yeah. it's beautiful, it's perfect, it's without spot, it's without wrinkle, it's without blemish. That's His church. Yeah. 
That's the church he's looking for. If you think ISIS is going to get bad enough to make Jesus come back, you're mistaken. Because he doesn't come based, he doesn't react to the enemy. Right. He doesn't, re- oh, it's getting so bad, I better. No, he said, I'm coming back for a church that's conquering, for a church that's winning, for a church that's not separated. Can I tell you, he's not coming back tomorrow? Can I be bold enough and tell you he's not coming back tomorrow? You know why? Because he said without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And we're still in segregated churches. We're still divided. The church still has a black church and a white church and this church. And that looks like a wrinkle to me. It looks like a blemish to me. He said, no, I'm looking for one that's united. One that's one. He said, and when that happens. His church. Wow, come on. His church was the ones where they would hurry and run to the politics and say, they're turning our world upside down. They've messed our city so up. Everybody's in a riot. Everybody's getting healed. Everybody's getting saved. That's his church. His church didn't hide on Sunday mornings so we could do our religious calisthenics and then show up at our jobs and nobody ever know what happened. No, his church says, I showed up to make a difference. I showed up to invest into somebody's life. His church says, I run this. His church doesn't hide from anyone. His church was being persecuted so bad that they would catch them, they would behead them, they would boil them in oil, they would tear them apart by horses, and they would still stand up in the middle of a community and declare the goodness of God. When's the last time we declared His goodness in our community? When's the last time you stood up on your job and it was like Jeremiah, or you said, it's like fire, and I can't keep my mouth shut. Even if I think I'm going to lose my job, I can't keep my mouth shut because there's something inside of me. His church is not timid. His church is not shy. His church is not hiding. Hmm. Oh, it gets better. Don't worry. Because he keeps going on after that. And he said after he establishes the church, the church that he's going to build, the church that hell is scared of, the church that makes hell ask for permission to show up in my community. They, the demons had to ask Jesus for permission to speak. I like it. Demons do whatever they want in our community. They do whatever they want in our church. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You think they're scared to come in here because you're here? Shoot. Jesus would walk up and they would fall down and worship Him. They didn't even like Him. They hated Jesus and they'd worship Him. Y'all claimed to... I'm going to drink on that one. After he establishes that church, he takes it another level further. In the Passion Translation, verse 19, he says, I'll give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So once his church is built and legit, then he starts handing out keys of authority. As if he will only give the authority to bind and loose to the church that he builds. He ain't giving his authority to just anybody. So the authority to bind and loose actually has nothing to do with building the church. Because he only gives it to the church that he's already built. We're wanting Abba to bind the devil so we'll stop messing with our church. First of all, Satan doesn't have the authority to mess with his church. Right. And secondly, he told you to bind him. 
See, the crazy thing is, Jesus already handled Satan. He's defeated. That's what the Word says. So the only way He takes something from you, is if you let Him have it. I just ain't got no peace. I just can't find joy. I can tell you why. You surrendered it. May I submit to you that the binding and the loosing is meant for our community? Because remember, Ecclesia is a group of people summoned to govern the affairs of their city. So He does the summoning and we do the governing. Because see, Jesus actually taught us on this, this idea of binding and loosing in Mark chapter 3. When He taught us about the strong man and he has possession of something. We have the authority to bind him and take it away. So if he has possession of something in my community, Jesus is giving me the authority to bind him and take that That's word. Yes. So he said, I'm going to give you the authority to bind and loose. You're going to bind what's bound in heaven and you're going to loose what's loosed in heaven. You, you have to know that now. You can't just bind anything. You can't bind your boss because you don't like him. Okay? That's not the way this works. He said, no, you have the authority now to know what your father is saying. Come on. And if he's declaring something over your community, you have the authority to declare that over your community. And before you can begin to pray that something be loosed in your community, first you have to know what he has bound in your community. He said, I'll give you the power to bind and to loose. We should be declaring what Abba is saying about our community and binding anything that stands in opposition to it. The level of authority the enemy has in our community is directly proportionate to the amount of authority the church does not exercise. Huh. Let's say that again. Yeah. The level of authority the enemy has in our community is directly proportionate to the amount of authority the church does not exercise. In other words, the amount of darkness in this room is in direct proportion to the amount of light. Yeah. Right? Correct. The more light, the less darkness. The more authority the enemy has in your community... That's how much authority the church is not walking. We have so lost touch with the position and the place that Jesus wants us to be in. With the design, the originality of what God created man for. That we've, we've, we've brought Christianity all the way down to this, what we're doing this morning. And when you get into a conversation with someone and the question comes up if they're a Christian or not, they tell you they go to a certain church. Because in our world, Christianity is directly connected to if I go to church on Sunday. (laughs) But the crazy thing is, He actually put us in position to be the governors of our communities. And if we take it to the fullness of it, the governors of our earth. That's good. This is is going to stretch you out. But He's actually put us in the position that a lot of things that are happening in our communities... And like I said, as a whole in the earth are simply because the church is not doing its job. Simply because the church is not in the position sitting at the feet of Jesus receiving the authority that He has for us. For instance, a lot of people even within the church have been unlearned to the point that we would even blame something such as Katrina on God or the devil. And either fight you want to pick, 
both are the expression of how much you don't understand what you're supposed to be doing. Because if Satan had enough power to create a hurricane that would kill people, don't you think he would do it a lot more often? Don't you think he would have went with a lot more than just New Orleans? As a matter of fact, if it was Satan doing it, don't you think he would have left New Orleans? Because they're supposed to be the worst ones, right? You think he would leave the ones that are doing what he wants to, and he would wipe out a church. See? So the idea that Satan did it is just ludicrous. The other side, that our loving Father, whose will it is that no one should perish, caused a hurricane and did something He promised He would never do, and that is flood the earth. So that's the other argument, which sounds even dumber than the first one. Come on, man. When in reality, I believe it's on the church. I believe we should so be in the position of governing, of binding, and loosing that the protection of this earth and of our communities is on us. Can I submit to you? Can I submit to you that if there would have been a church operating where they were supposed to operate, that Katrina could have been avoided? Can we can we get that? Can we go to that place? Bible, let's go. Come on. Do we not believe that Jesus stood on the front of the ship and commanded the storm to shut up? And he said, All these works that I've done, even greater works you shall do. If you ask me, the storm that they are in is a little bit lower than the Hurricane Katrina that came through and wiped out a city. But there was no one in position to stand and say, Peace be still. He's calling us to a place of governing. But that governing will not be merited to you because you're busy. It will be merited to you when you begin to exalt Him. And you begin to sit at His feet. And it becomes all about Him. It's not about how big can we get life church. And can we do this? And can we do that? And can we get the most followers? And can we be the most cutting edge? And can we be the coolest church in town? Come on. All that is, He's over it. He's over it. I'm over it. We're over it. He said, no, I'm just looking for someone that will make me a big deal. That's good. Who's going to make it all about Him? Yeah. Who's going to say, yeah, there's a lot of things I could be doing, but I think right now I'll sit at His feet and love Him. Yes. That's good. I think right now I'll just exalt Him and lift Him up and make Him bigger than everything else in my life and everything else in my community. I think that's what I'll do. And then allow Him to gather them. Allow Him to put them together. Allow Him to hand us the keys of heaven. You know why I believe this? Because we preach. There's no sickness in heaven, so we should bind sickness, right? Do we believe that in the church? There's no depression in heaven, we should bind depression. Guess what? There's no deadly storms in heaven either. I know this is stretching you, but I want to just pull you out for a minute, and then after the service, you you can go back to normal. No, we ain't going back. And I'm just throwing this out here to kind of show you the end of a thing from the beginning. If that makes sense. He has called us, positioned us to be the ecclesia. The governing body of this community. Yes, we talked about the earth and and the globe and, and I believe that's all part of it. But I believe we have to start with right here. Right here in this moment. Yes. Right here with you individually, with me individually, then with Life Church as a community, and then Caldwell Parish as our community. He said, I'm going to gather a, I'm going to gather a group of people, and I'm going to give them permission to govern their community. 
I believe the church is being called out on the carpet. The church as a whole. To come back to the place of governing our communities. We see it in the Old Testament as a foreshadow of when the king would get ready to do anything. What would he do? He would call the prophet. What's God say? What's God say? What's God doing right now? Do we go to war? Do we not go to war? All these, it was the governing ability of those in relationship with their father. I've been under, I'm closing. There's just been so much conviction since I, uh, I think it's been three weeks ago now that this came about and I started studying this. There's just been so much conviction with it. Just asking the questions of, God, how many times have I just made it about performance and busyness? And I'm here at church because, well, it's Sunday morning. I'd feel wrong if I stayed home. Especially me, I'm kind of one of the pastors. I think you all notice if I didn't show up. But, but how many times have we lost sight of what it was really about? Yeah. How many weeks have gone by when we never once stopped to ask the question, what am I really supposed to be doing? What's most important? Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.